Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yes, we do. I am your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here, as always, with the marvelous Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Skull! <laughs> Spoiler! Uh, Mark, <laughs> y- you have brought us in a formerly omnipresent single uh, to discuss today. Please tell the listeners what we'll be up to. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I tremor with joy to tell you that today we are discussing Ace of Bases, The Sign. Which, I oh saw my God, it. honestly, yeah, I saw it too. Here's the thing. Uh, it's a middle even... finger. Just kidding. We'll get, we'll get to it. <laughs> it's a butt pushed on a window. <laughs> it's a butt. Uh. Here is the thing about the sign. Before we even get into the clip, I just feel I have to say, I have gone through eight or nine phases of my life with this song where I either love it or loathe it where I'm either delighted by it huh. or embarrassed by it. Like, I can't... I'm, I've been on a high, high phase for a few years. But the, anyway, this this to me is... If, if you were to ever say... Okay, have, here's how I'm going to set up the clip. Let's say that aliens land, and they get over their confusion with the American style of government and obsession with guns. Okay, let's say that, that <laughs> they, they understand that finally. But then they're like, we need you to play us a song that epitomizes the excess of the 1990s. And, you know, you could say, okay, I'm going to play you grunge or gangster rap, but actually, I feel like in a certain way, there's a florid excess of the 1990s that is encapsulated by what you're about to hear. when Ace of Bass was the biggest thing in American music, which is real. This song was number yeah. one for s- six weeks. And Alongside it was ri- grunge and gangster rap. Like, yes. all of these things existed alongside each other at yeah. once. Like, you feel like... What it's the so fuck, Clinton's America? What it is so easy. Fuck? It is so easy to look back at the 90s and be like, yeah, it was Nirvana's time. And it was, but you're exactly right. Like... In 1993, when Nirvana was still around, Kurt Cobain was still alive, when The Chronic was a huge thing, this also was happening. And The Sign was such a big hit that it went to number one, fell out of number one, and then returned to number one. Very few songs have the staying power to to reach number one on two separate occasions. Uh, there was also, when this initial album came out, between, or I should say among... All That She Wants, The Sign, and uh, Don't Turn Around. 
And there was a- P.S. What is with the secondary references on this podcast lately to songs about ladies trying to get knocked up? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Ace of Base planted a tree, I guess you could say. <laughs> All they want to do is sing in English to you. To you. Sorry. But there was a period of time where for almost a year, there was at least one Ace of Base song, if not two, in the top ten simultaneously. The album was number one back when that really meant something and you were selling millions of copies. And what's fascinating to me to think about is that what this song is, is the distillation of Europop. I mean, this sort of reedy, thin production, the obviously computerized beats, the slightly generic female voices. I mean, it's ABBA, but like with even less melodic lushness to it. But this is what all European pop music essentially sounded like for 10 years. And not as much of it made it over to America. Uh, um, But like this broke through in such a huge way. And listening to it now, I feel like this is such a joy bomb. There's just something so effervescent about this song and the fact that it's clearly esl english as a second language lyrics like we don't really know what you're trying to talk about i think in in the second verse there's a lyric about where i uh, under the pale moon where i see a lot of stars that's not exactly shakespeare but you know yeah the the the, but the the buoyancy (laughs) of the song i'm just like fuck yeah sing about this out in my kitchen where all of the The pots and pans (laughs) for to cook some egg hi i'm from sweden i I ate the eggs (laughs) and it tasted like a sign and then i said i want a sweater it will hold me better what okay great like it oh, doesn't Jesus, matter please re-record it with just like whatever garbage time they're like i'm looking at a wall uh, yeah it's it's so good so Sarah, I mean, it's so that's dumb but that so dumb joy is what i feel for this i how do you feel um all right here's where i was with this song when it came out um uh, mm-hmm. to this is a package containing a, a handful of problems uh first of all <laughs> Which is actually the name of Nirvana's unreleased third album. A package containing a handful of problems. (laughs) Except with more swears. Uh, I was, this is 93, yeah? Late 93 into early 94, yes. Holy shit, it's 25 years old, this song. Um, So at this time, hardcore 120 minutes girl, very into like indie, um... Uh, Brit pop. Uh, this was, I mean, I still loved stuff like this, but I had to be like d- super low key, like no key about it because it wasn't cool to the boys I was trying to show my sign, whatever. So, like, <laughs> this is like, it's not even bubblegum. It's like the flavoring of the bubblegum. Like, it's not even chewy. It's just like a shot from the um, food science factory in Edison, New Jersey. It's just like pure bubblegum flavor. It's not even (laughs) chewy. And like, unlike later songs that are in this ilk, like Barbie Girl, this song doesn't even front like there's any sort of dark sexuality. There's there's no edge to this song whatsoever. You're so right that it's just the flavoring of the gum. Yeah. Also, I fucking love (laughs) 
I fucking love Barbie Girl and oh, the Vega too. Boys are coming. I am not going to apologize, even though I totally no. should, to I, everyone I, ever born. The Vega Boys are coming, and I and they, I, you that's... have to be ready. I'm just saying. Yeah, get the get your whistles ready. That's they are the party. Fucking get some napkins and be ready. Anyway, so he, there's that problem. There's and the real problem is that it was relentlessly overplayed for two years there was nowhere you could go in the tri-state area where you would not hear it eventually malls restaurants in a taxi it was fucking everywhere that in stereo mcs which i i liked them uh connected you gotta get yourself connected Connected. that's not even the that's not even their good song either um and then just like walking to work in the summer of 93 and like listening to the radio on my walk man kids ask your parents it was like you could not you could not get away from it and it just was like i it was hard to understand like you could understand why it got occasional play but because you heard it all the time you were forced to confront its essential c plusness multiple times a day and it just was like you know i'm 20 and think i know everything and i'm like i can't believe that this is the top 40 song and the sundays are just being ignored again (laughs) i mean so hearing this has um, no one listened to the new mazzy star why um, isn't that number one it's identical to the old mazzy star i agree that's the fucking point I'm Read NME, bitch. God. Oh my god. So on top of um, reuniting with that time in my life, I must also reunite listening to this song with uh, the many ways in which I was the absolute worst. <laughs> but it was a joy bomb. Like I was so happy to listen to it. Like even just now, I was chair dancing. Like this absolutely has benefited. Like the song is no better than it was before but it like and yet it is because i hadn't heard it in 20 years and it's like you know what if i don't have to listen to a snippet of this at like 11 random times in my day it's great yes this has definitely benefited from the like choose your own music experience that did not exist as nearly as much when this song came out Versus now, when it's like, if you want to avoid this song, it's eminently easy to do. Um, but I don't want to. I am thrilled. Like, I actually downloaded this. I did not own it. Uh, happy to re-add it to the permanent library. Um, less happy to um, admit that I was wrong about the song. But I'm I'm not sure I I was. Like, my my way of being about it back then was wrong. But, like, it was just too much. It was everywhere. Did not well, benefit. You're exactly right. And it's exactly what happened to me. I talked about the journey I've been on with this song. I, I remember. Talk to me more about that journey because I am actually really surprised to hear that you at any point were like this mofo about well, this was, song. I wouldn't have thought that. Well, here's the thing. It was mostly because of overexposure because I can remember yeah. being uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was in a chattanooga youth theater production of raggedy ann and andy where i played leonard the loony hearted one of the two loons who kidnapped babette the french princess from the toy box and then raggedy ann and andy had to go rescue her 
All of that is to say that my friend Katie Cowley, who went to high school with me and was awesome and had a red pickup truck, was also in the play. And she would come and pick me up and drive me to rehearsal and then down to performances as well. And we rocked the fuck out of this cassette. I had the whole album. So it was every song. But I remember so specifically that we would crank up this song in particular. And for for like a year and a half, that was exactly right. And then one day, I remember so clearly reading a letter to the editor in Entertainment Weekly where this teenage girl wrote in to say that she and her friends had been rocking out to Ace of Base. And then one day they just couldn't anymore. And I realized, yeah, me too. Like, I can't. I can't because the truth of the matter is I have I feel like this song is like Doritos in a way that yes if you, if you chew a Dorito really fast and swallow it it's a flavor explosion that you love but if you chew a Dorito 35 times all you start to taste are the sour chemicals and mm-hmm. there's something about this song you just have to let it in and then out and if the song is always around you cannot ignore that the that the underlying ingredients are gross or basically nothing and at that all. were like and mixed improperly and still allowed to come off the line like da, 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 like you bring me joy, joy. Like, <laughs> key it down joy. you built this on a computer bring it down so she can hit the nose and then key it back up sven yeah. what are you fucking doing seriously but like you just said. And you hear so, that squawk 88 times a day, and you're like, oh, my God. I know. I'm going and, to Sweden and burning it down. I'm burning down the entire country. And what I think happened, I feel like every one of our general generation agreed simultaneously because there was a period of my life when I was in college when I was doing a lot of hosting of dance parties, and you could throw on a lot of classic pop songs from the early 90s. I mean, this was the late 90s. They weren't that old. But you could throw on a bunch of early to mid nineties pop songs and people would just get really excited and sort of get into enjoying music that they knew they weren't supposed to quote unquote, like you could also play Hanson at this period, Spice Girl. Oh, sure. But if you put on Ace of Bass, it killed the party for whatever reason, for a long time, (laughs) Ace of Bass was a, was a, was a group that we just collectively were like, no. So is that how you cleared out the dorm lounge? Yeah, it's like basically. all right. It's like one thirty in the morning. I know y'all have midterms, so you're like, "All that she wants." She wants and everyone's like, "Bye." The, all that I want is, I guess, to go. Study. I don't even want this baby. Peace out. Yeah, seriously. I'm going away right now. Get uh, don't play that song because I don't want to hear that shit no more. But. The, like you just said, the, the power Sorry, of I'm just flashing back to like the members of Ace of Base in a kitchen singing about eggs and then someone puts <laughs> on a sweater. Okay, sorry, continue. I made these eggs and I put paprika in them because I think it adds nice color, but the flavor's not so strong. Anyway. Oh, that's good. But thank you. But the but now with time, <laughs> with time and the ability to control exposure, like you said, this song can just be joyous. And I have recently had a really good run of it at the gym listening to sort of classics of Ace of Base and in fact have been reminded that they had a song called Lucky Love on their second album that should have been a mega hit, but we were all so exhausted by Ace of Base by that point that we couldn't let it happen. And I was reminded that they had a top 10 single in the late 90s with their remake of Cruel Summer, which I remember now I bought on CD single in college. So clearly there was still part of me that wanted to have Ace of Base in my life, but I was like, 
oh god, I'm just going to buy the CD single of Cruel Summer and I'm going to run away and try to ignore it. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> but now it's been long enough and I have enough space and control that I want them again. And I think I can also better appreciate Ace of Bass's role in the lineage of cheery Swedish pop music because you do have ABBA from the 70s, Roxette from the 80s, uh, Ace of Bass from the 90s, Robin from the 2000s. Like, they're just, you can just see that they're all part of that lineage of Swedish pop. And, uh, I am glad to have been reminded that I opened up my eyes and I saw the sign. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go make myself some eggs and I'm going to try that paprika thing because I don't feel like that was a random addition on your part. <laughs> you won't be sorry. We'll see. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.